Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome everyone to The Distraction here on Fightful.com. It is Tuesday, and I am with the Monday, Joe Holbert. Joe, what's up, buddy? Yeah, I'm glad you, you made it clear to me that we were continuing. I didn't want to pull the curtain back, so I'm glad you did it. So yeah, I'm good. Um, I'm very, I'm not going to say concerned, that's too far. I'm anxious to see how this plays out. First emotion picture over the weekend, right, Jeremy? We've both experienced something in the last few days. Yes, yes. Um, real quickly, let me get plugs out of the way here. Fightful.com, all your wrestling, MMA, boxing news that you can handle during this time. Sign up to FightfulSelect.com. Exclusive news, Sean had the transcript of what Vince McMahon said to everybody uh, before Wednesday's big happenings so if you want to know what vince mcmahon's mind state was like you can listen to what he told all of his employees um so we have that up on fightful select other news bits we have an interview with uh mike canellis mike bennett dropping uh pretty soon i think that's already on fightful select that'll be on the site soon enough and alex Polowski is reviewing the big show show where he probably just hates on everything uh, if you want to listen to our review of the Big Show show, where we enjoyed everything, you can do that. We did that last week. Tuesday shows are now just branded movie television reviews featuring wrestling wrestlers in some kind of way. And that is what we are here to talk about today. The main event, Joe. Not the show that mm-hmm. I think airs on Hulu. I think. Yep. Um, not, not that main event where Cedric Alexander still loses. Uh, the main event... On Netflix, it's a WWE Films. Joe, what did you expect from this movie? Just uh, did you see the trailer for it? Um, no, I never watched the whole trailer. <laughs> I just saw like enough to understand that there was going to be a kid with a mask. That is what I knew. Uh, I did not kind of sit and watch the trailer. I watched more of the Big Show show trailer, so I didn't really know what I was getting myself into here. But I had a feeling. I will say it did actually fall short of the. Uh, the expectations I'd placed upon it, which were not particularly high. I'm going to be honest with you, Jeremy. They were not particularly high expectations. This one didn't hit for me, Jeremy. I'm going to be honest. We're going to get into that over the next over the next few uh, well, a few segments here as which we delve into this film. But yeah, I can't, it was what I expected, just a worse, lesser version of it. That's my opening statement. Essentially, the the overall concept of this movie is a kid is a WWE fan. He gets picked on. He gets chased into this room. He finds this mask of a legendary wrestler, not Rey Mysterio, and he puts the mask on, and then he has superpowers. And he competes in this WWE NXT tournament, and he, there's a bunch of wrestlers uh, who make cameos in this. We'll get into that. But he competes in this tournament, and you know he he's do, wearing a doing a secret identity identity double identity gimmick here. But his his grandma finds out, his friends find out. We're spoiling everything, folks. So just obviously, yeah. I've already ruined everything. 
if you <laughs> are just now, <laughs> if you made it this far and you're like, wait, you just spoiled. There was no spoiler warning. I apologize. Um, but, but that's the overall gimmick of this movie. I'm with you. I, I understand who it appealed to. It, it's just very, it was a very cliche thing. And I didn't even find like the bits that were supposed to be funny. Like they didn't really hit for me. I'm surprised that you realized he was a wrestling fan. Did they, did they spell that all out for you? Do you think you like wrestling, perhaps, mate? Not wrestling, WWE, sorry. Yeah, and just perhaps, WWE. perhaps his family enjoyed WWE. I didn't. I couldn't quite tell. <laughs> After the first 20 minutes in which they broke down every match Kofi Kingston had in the last year, <laughs> I thought maybe this kid is a Kofi Kingston fan, um, which we'll get into the Kofi thing. I thought Kofi was going to play a much larger role in the... Uh, Kofi's? <laughs> no, no, let's get in. <laughs> Let's get into Kobe because this was my favorite note when I watched this. So the the kid goes through and he we're gonna be all over the place as if you can't tell. The kid goes through and he's in the main event of this uh, NXT tournament and it's a cage match and, and the Miz is hosting this tournament and Kofi joins the Miz in the press box and you know they're greeting each other and stuff. Kofi's like, yeah, man, I never miss a cage match. Kofi hasn't watched a single second of this tournament. He didn't know who either of these guys were, but he's like, it's a cage match. I gotta be there for this. Well, I have four notes, and the last one is never miss a cage yes, match. Yes, it is. One, it was a line that I think a normal person would get nothing from, but I just found hilarious. The way that there was no humor to it, and he was just like, come on, you know that about me. Like, I'll never miss one of these things. Seamus is the special guest referee. What a choice that was. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know where to start with this, Jeremy. I mean, I'm going to dive into one element of it that I found. Firstly, did you notice, and this is very inside baseball, so your favorite character in the big show show, Taylor Swift, right, yes. was in this film. Did you know this, Jeremy? I did not recognize that, no. Okay. Was he the class president? He was one of the three heels that was being very mean to our protagonist. Oh. It was a complete heel turn then. Yes, and the thing I found interesting was, normally in these films, you have the three kids or how many kids that picking on the main character, and like no one is aware that they are this way. The principal is on these kids from scene one, right? Like she's <laughs> like, they're at it again. I don't like them, and they're just job guys throughout, right? I mean, I have a note here, Jeremy. Okay, and I said this is what it says. Okay, subverted expectations principal is aware of bullying that was my it was a compliment okay and then it is followed up by the heels are simply job guys throughout so i did want to delve into i'm very disappointed you didn't notice taylor swift's uh, return here but they got nothing out of the taylor swift uh, persona right there was no there was no legs to this these three kids just do nothing but lose throughout to the masked man and his pals they get hung up by their underwear yes. and lockers and they get in trouble for it. The principal's like, get in my office. They're like, we're the ones hanging up here. Yeah. I mean, they had a really tough out in here. And I, I just, I thought that was something. You know, I mean, I, there was a lot of things that were touched on here in this film that I have no memory of they had a conclusion. So you may need to help me. But, like, what was the dad's, um, oh, you that, should probably explain his OR. Because I don't know where he ended up. Let, let's get into this. Okay, um, okay. Because this was the... This completely took me out of the film. Just the absolute worst oh, part wow. of the film. At, oh. Adam Pauly plays the dad, and like he's good. He's in a he's in a bunch of stuff that I enjoy. Um, this arc, though, I first off, did you know the grandma was the grandma at first? Yeah, because I didn't expect it to be, but there was an early line of dialogue that I kind of I had I made note of because this is when I was doing the like paying attention thing. <laughs> it surprised me too, though. And she's a big wrestling fan. Did you notice that, Jeremy? Yeah. Did you know she's a big wrestling fan? Okay, you did say that. Okay, she she tickles Leo to wake him yes. up in the morning, and she says, "This is what Xavier does to Kofi to get them to get him out of bed for a big match." I reached out to Xavier Woods to get this story confirmed. He has not gotten back to me. <laughs> well, I think that's a confirmation, right? I think we can say that as a confirmation. I um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm going to let you go on this dad thing. I just didn't, I didn't know what we were building to. And unless I've totally missed it, the payoff to it was an absolute, just non, non-factor in every way. So I didn't realize it was the grandma at first. That finally got okay. cleared up. The dad is just like out of the life. He's an Uber driver and he works odd hours and he works on his car and stuff. And he just seemingly doesn't pay like any attention to his son 
And then at the end, he comes in the cage match and like helps him out. But I, it didn't, it didn't really hit for me. The one, the thing that didn't hit for me is like the mom not being there. And it's like the, you know, the grandmother's daughter, she just like up and disappeared. And he's like, I can't talk to him about this stuff. Mm. I was so confused throughout this whole thing. I didn't know why it needed to be a thing. Yeah, it was like a lot of these films, they have like one element of the story that is there to convince you there's like an emotional like element to this. There's something deeper to be learned. But really, the dad redeems himself by just going back to some like pro wrestling advice that he told his son years ago, uh, from what I can tell. So we should get into that. So the advice he has, I believe, and correct me here, Jeremy, but I think he says every wrestler has a weakness, correct? Yeah. And that, that proves pivotal. <laughs> Boy, does it prove pivotal when he needs it most. Now, how that helps his uh, journey as far as emotional trauma after his wife leaving him, I have no idea. But it makes his son much happier, if nothing else. I thought Leo was a dick. I'm just going to say it. Okay. I thought this kid was a dick throughout the entire throughout the entire film. Like, when his dad tries to talk to him after so his... Mean. Sorry, <laughs> After first, of all, so he gets his bike destroyed. He's hanging out. It's after this uh, talent show that he misses because he's got to sign autographs because he's a WWE superstar now. And the grandma takes him and his friends to the talent show, or takes his friends to the talent show. He finds his way there, and he rides his bike. The grandma just leaves without him and leaves him <laughs> stranded at the talent show. And then the heels. Yeah, they break his bike and everything. So Leo comes back to his house and he's upset and his dad tries to talk to him. And Leo's just like, nah, get out. Like, I'm not talking to you. Like, his dad was really trying to connect with him here. And he's just, you know, shoving him off. Like, Leo was a complete dick throughout this movie. But this scene in particular, just the worst. I was surprised it was so black and white with the mask when it came to Leo. I thought maybe perhaps... Now, look, I don't want to go into the kind of writer's room here, Jeremy. You know, me and you are writers, so I thought we would kind of open up on this one a little bit. A little bit of fantasy booking for you. Oh, I thought, perhaps, that maybe a way of doing this was the mask gives him the ability to be the best wrestler ever, but it takes away something of his personality. All it really did was just expose that he was a bit of a dick, as you say, because <laughs> he was like, he had to, even when he was talking to the, the girl that became his girlfriend, I think she ended up being his girlfriend, or just a friend, right? Like, he needed the mask to even talk to her initially. I mean, this kid was really struggling without the mask, which I thought, yeah. it was kind of weak, Jeremy. You know, I would like some kind of layers there. I must say, that disappointed me. I think, what if, Jeremy, I'm going to pitch some things here. You know, maybe we can get a sequel one day. You never do know. What if the the mask took away his personality? You know, Lucha guys aren't known to be great promos, Jeremy, right? Like, that's what I was thinking. I didn't like the fact that it was all, it was, he had nothing without this mask, and he was still a dick with it. He... I gathered that, like, the mask just gave him confidence, even when it was off, yeah. like, when he first put it on, because you're right, he couldn't talk to the girl, he had to go elsewhere and put it on, and then he could talk to her, and then, like, he started to have some confidence because of it, I guess because he felt he could hide behind the mask if things got too bad, oh. but then things got real in his real life, and he couldn't, the mask got him in trouble. This is what we're missing here, Joe, that I've just now figured out and explained, the mask got him in trouble, and then he had to deal with this stuff in his real life. So it took away the confidence and just turned yes. him to be mean because he was a dick with the mask on. And that was symbolized in the match where he wins without the mask in the end, right? He doesn't yes. need the mask anymore. However, that doesn't explain that – I don't think they needed to change his voice when he had the mask on. <laughs> I understood it enough without doing that awful – I don't even know how to describe the voice, Jeremy. But it he made put on me his like Batman Le voice. I liked Leo a lot less after hearing the voice a lot it was it was kind of draining. now i hate to hear this jeremy i've gone through all my notes apart from one and this is a big conversation i want to open up here my other note was it simply says nxt should be like this aw has no chance your thoughts <laughs> i thought nxt was now like the big stage because the first oh. scene in the movie is leo beating the miz in a dream and they do it at nxt if you're this like big wwe super fan as explained in the movie shouldn't you be be shouldn't you be dreaming bigger than beating the miz in an nxt match unless nxt becomes like the top thing and like wrestlemania is just replaced by nxt so either leo's not dreaming big enough or nxt is really like the top thing in wwe at, uh, according to this movie 
Yeah, I mean, I think actually it's just a case of he. So NXT is he's a smart fan. Okay, NXT is his favorite brand. It reminds him of the golden days of Ring of Honor, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> and Miz is his least favorite wrestler because he comes in last on the uh, star rating spreadsheet. So that's what I took it as. I understand what you're saying. But if, if NXT was just a like reality show in which people had legitimate fist fight, it was basically brawl for all. <laughs> brawl for all with a small child. Um, I think it would be pretty much killing in the ratings right now. That was really my... I'm with you. I understand what you're saying, but that was my takeaway. I mean, we pitched a, a Brawl for All nowadays. Apparently, Vince McMahon wanted to bring the Brawl for All back with NXT in its first season, which would have been amazing. So maybe this is how Vince got the Brawl for All back on, on WWE television. He's like, oh, we'll just turn it into this main event movie. You think Vince knows about this movie? Absolutely not. No, there's <laughs> no idea. I, I was interested. There was a chance to me that he may have seen some big show show, but this is just such a non... It's not non in there, right? There's no need for him to watch any of this. Um, so you just spoke the tournament. I spoke about the tournament too. How did you feel about the thing where superstars were in the tournament as other people? And, like, it's a little bit odd because... Uh, what was Otis? His name was Stinkface, I believe, yes. right? Yes, yeah. And Keith Lee was Smooth Operator. And Babatunde, <sighs> who is, like, the actual wrestler heel, he, he was Samson. So those were actual yeah. wrestlers in the film. I mean, Babatunde makes sense because, like, he's a guy who they're still not, like, using on TV, basically, right? right? I get it, but, like, Otis is in a major angle on their biggest show. <laughs> so, I just thought, my thing was, I guess, and I don't want to overanalyze this element of it, but wouldn't it have, I assume there's some normal people watching this film, God forbid, but I'd imagine they're out there. Wouldn't it have helped Keith Lee and Otis more if they were Keith Lee and Otis and they came across, like, wrestling stars rather than these absolute no. lunatics? Not, no. not as not as these gimmicks they gave them. Like, yes, if they just let them play Keith Lee and Otis, but they got Otis as a guy who just like farts. Like his his name is Stinkface. Like that's yeah. his name, and he he does this big fart that pushes the kid back, and this is how he ends up losing because the kid hangs onto the ropes, and once the fart ends, he torpedo headbutts Otis. That that's some CTE discussion right there. By the way, that's not safe at all. Um, and Keith Lee, Keith Lee was a dick too, because they're, <laughs> dude, everybody in this movie is just the worst. Okay. <laughs> what did Keith Lee do? <laughs> listen, listen, I'm going to tell you. So was Seamus. There was like, everybody's the worst. Keith Lee was a dick because, uh, the heel manager puts this, uh, lubrication on the steps and it gets on, um, Leo's feet as, as the wrestler. Yeah. It, it gets on his feet. Kid Chaos is his wrestling name, by the way. Uh, it gets on Kid Chaos's feet. So he's slipping all over the place. And he's like, he falls into the audience and stuff. Keith Lee, who's supposed to be this nice guy, fair fight Keith Lee, instead of being like, yeah, let's wipe off your, your shoes and stuff. You know, let's, let's, let's hash this out. Let's make this an even playing field. He's like, gotta do what I gotta do, brother. Like, I gotta beat you now. I, I thought Keith Lee and Kid Chaos had a friendship and things were going to be fine. But no, Keith Lee was like, well, he's in trouble. I He didn't do this. I didn't do this. Instead of making things even, I'm just, just still going to try to beat him. So Keith Lee was a dick in this film. Well, I thought it was interesting that, I mean, I don't agree with you, okay? I think Keith Lee, <laughs> they gave him enough motive with the 10 years of independent professional wrestling character arc that I understand you have to do whatever you can do to beat up a little kid. Uh, but I do think it was interesting. I mean, you mentioned Otis's finisher, and I want to stress the audience. That was not, like, Jeremy's interpretation. That was literally... Yeah. Like, that is actually word for word exactly how I would describe it, too. That's literally what happened. So I thought it was interesting that, obviously, it's explained to us that Kid Chaos, the mask gives him, like, super strength and speed and agility and stuff, Right. But it felt like everyone in this tournament, after that first round where he faced the guy with the, uh, what was the guy, the cowboy character, um, he beat him. And then Keith Lee, or whatever his name was, and Stinkface, they had like their own superpowers. This was like a tryout for the X-Men or something. I don't know where these people <laughs> came from. Keith Lee was throwing Kid Chaos so high in the air. He wasn't just a normal person. I mean, all of these people had some kind of special ability, but we just haven't, maybe that's set up for the sequel I was mentioning earlier. I'm not sure. This was another complaint I had is they have the scene where they're at the diner and it comes in and gets robbed. And this is where he puts on the mask and like he prevents this. Rob like this kid is a real life superhero. 
Yes. He prevents this robbery and everything, and, like, he's just wrestling? In the yeah. words of, um, who who was it? Oh, Sammy Callahan. He's like, why would a hacker be a wrestler? Why, why would this, what is Ricochet doing with his life right now? Why isn't he out here actually saving the world? They're calling Ricochet a real-life superhero. He just does a bunch of cool flips and stuff. Go prevent a robbery, Ricochet. True. I mean, I also think we have to go back to the Brawl Fraud comparison because the winner of this got them nothing again, right? No one got over here because the winner is too young to have a contract and he just gives the contract to the guy he beat in the semifinal, which was Keith Lee. We end up back in square one. They had all these shoot fights. <laughs> Sheamus got in the cage with this fellow and none of, there was no stars born here. They're going to have to wait 10 years to get Kid Chaos back in the ring. <laughs> This was a major misstep on a creative level, too, which is perhaps the biggest insult you can throw at it, you know? Here was why Sheamus was a dick as well, because oh, they're no. in the cage. The Leo doesn't have his mask. He's got, he sees it's a kid, and he's just, like, nonchalantly telling Samson, hey, don't mess with him. He's a kid. And then Samson just, like, tosses him aside. I think he hit him with a chair. And then goes out... Like, Seamus, what are you doing? Like, why weren't other people? Like, where was Kofi? Where were the Miz? Like, coming down there and be like, don't matter. Like, this is a small child. Like, what are you doing? We're going to be legally liable for this if something goes wrong. Yeah, it was. There was a lot of kind of safety precautions that were not taken. And I think someone should have stepped in before Kid Chaos even stepped in the ring. Right? Someone should have stepped in. He could have handed the mask over to his friend Keith Lee, that's name again has escaped me. Smooth operator. Okay, let's get into that. Why was he a singer? What was the situation with that, Jeremy? Why was that a thing that happened? He was a failed singer, and that's why he's been on the wrestling scene for so long. Wow. What a star given that <laughs> Keith Lee in this film. I, I just found it. I mean, obviously, look, you're right. Cliche is a word that you pair with these films a lot, right? It's not anything. Particular age film, it's cliche. I just found the execution of it all to just be so, like, just nothing. There was nothing to this, man. There was no kind of... I don't know, I just didn't care throughout. And, and the smooth operator thing, for me, was like... Then I had to just start pondering why they had him doing this smooth operator gimmick. Why couldn't he have just been Keith Lee? I don't know. Who do we think is watching this film, Jeremy? I think is my actual question. I guess kids. I mean, I can't imagine... Look, it's not for us... It, Obviously, no. it's not for us. But, like, the Big Show show wasn't for us either. And we still yeah. found some enjoyment in that. This movie was just a mess. And as far as who's watching it, I guess kids. But even some of the, the stuff that was going on, it's like, I don't even see how this appeals to kids. Like, if you're a kid, why would you want to watch something like this over just watching Batman or, or Spider-Man or something? Yeah, wrestling is a very hard line in, in these kind of things because it's like, it's neither one or the other, right? <laughs> like, by comparison of a real superhero story, it's lame. But a wrestling fan watches it and just like, oh, my God, it's just awful. Like, it's just too wacky. It's too over the top. So you really, to me, have just achieved nothing with this, Jeremy. That's, so, what so I'm, that's my conclusion. You've achieved nothing. So here's essentially who it appeals to because it doesn't really appeal to wrestling fans. It, it does appeal yes. to kids, but if you're a kid... Like, you kind of have to be into wrestling to enjoy this show. Like, it can't just be, oh, I'm into superhero stuff. I'm into comic books to, like, enjoy this film. I don't think a, no. a, a fan of Superman is going to be like, oh, yeah, this was a, a superhero origin. So, like, you have to like wrestling. Because as Joe has pointed out, the this particular kid and his family, at least his grandma, they love wrestling. They love WWE. So yeah, I mean, who... the, the references are unbearable. <laughs> They are unbearable. Carry on, yes. So here's who the, this appeals to. It's kids who love WWE. So if you look at the numbers, Joe, roughly 2 point, or no, 2.9 million, giving them way too much credit right now, <laughs> 1.9 million watch WWE right now. That's everyone. You just look at kids. I would venture a guess of, say, a quarter million are watching this movie. Like, of all the people in the world, maybe a quarter million? Wow. That seems that seems very <laughs> ominous. Uh, mathematics from you, as well as your result. And it spells disaster for the main event. Yes, it really does. Um, I want to get into the main event names of choice from a range of reasons. I just, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I just watched it and didn't know. Because we can't stress enough, like, as wrestling fans, we understand what these characters are talking about. But the first 20 minutes, how many times is WWE mentioned in this film? Like, he's insane, right? Like, could they have made it more obvious to us what we were watching? It was like full propaganda. He comes down in a Kofi Kingston shirt, and his grandmother greets him in a John Cena shirt. <laughs> They're talking about watching Raw, which ends up being SmackDown, which is something that every wrestling film manages some kind of inaccuracy that's totally avoidable, which I always appreciate. I'm not saying it's a big deal, but all I'm saying is it's one word of dialogue that is so easily done correctly. I always find it amazing. This is, this is what I'm saying. It's a different universe. NXT is WrestleMania. SmackDown True. is now on Mondays. Raw might be off the air. So the tournament he was in, are we saying that's not NXT TV? No, it, it's some... We're, we're, this is like 30 years from now. They did have the clip of like New Day and the Usos and the yeah. Usos are the tag team champions. So it gives you an idea of when this is supposed to be set. I just like to pretend it's 30 years from now. New Day and Usos are still in WWE. They're obviously still tag team champions. We know precedent off of that based on Goldberg. And NXT is WrestleMania. SmackDown's on Mondays. And, and Raw, I, they were talking about reruns. And then they realized, oh, the actual SmackDown is on. Yeah, I just love that whole, like, the fact that they showed us the Usos and the New Day wrestling, and it's like, okay, that's pro wrestling, okay, I get it. And then the kid ends up having these kind of fist fights that just look nothing like the professional wrestling they're watching on TV. And I don't know what that's supposed to say. Like, I don't know if that's supposed to speak to how bad the guys in the tournament are, or it's more kind of credence to your theory that in this universe, the Usos and New Day are on, like, the like the sea show, right? They're, like, not even... They can't do any cool superhero stuff. They just do normal wrestling moves. So now as I kind of look at this picture, it's filling out, and I'm looking at it, and I can see what you're seeing, I think. <laughs> it, was it just me? Because you mentioned the kid loves WWE. Maybe I'm yes, misremembering. He, he absolutely loves it. Jeremy, he loves WWE. <laughs> Didn't he... Listen, he loves it. He loves WWE. <laughs> Didn't he bury the independence at one point? He's like, no, I don't watch that other stuff. He's like, I just watch WWE. I have no memory of that, but... <laughs> There was talk at one point of one of his friends was like talking about a director. Yes, I have this in my notes actually. Okay, go ahead, please go ahead. <laughs> so they're 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 WWE is coming to town because they're searching for a new whatever. There's not a lot of details, and his direct or and his friend is like, yeah, WWE they need a new. Maybe they're searching for a new director, and I just took this as a heavy shot at Kevin Dunn. Like, that's all this could possibly be, was just a heavy shot at Kevin Dunn. Like, they need a new director. Yeah, but doesn't then Leo say, like, it's Vince McMahon, duh. And I was like, okay, so Leo is, like, more aware of what's going on than them, but not all because it is actually a legitimate fighting contest. So (laughs) this is where I find WWE fascinating because, like, the whole brand is about, like, they're on entertainment. Right, there's sports entertainment. They're entertainment first and foremost. They go out for Emmys and all that good stuff, and it's like here they are. Like this film for kids, it just is represented that this is just like brawl for all, or the fighting tournament in No Holds Barred, which is another film we have to review at any cost. Um, but yeah, I, I just I don't think they know how they want to present their own thing, basically. And the result is me as a wrestling fan being so confused as to what I'm actually watching here. As a small child has legitimate fights with wrestling characters that don't wrestle they fight people amazing i feel bad for samson because he is afraid of heights and they put him in a cage match i didn't think this was a very fair contest even if it was a little kid in there it is interesting the cage match thing right why the cage match because kofi that's the only way they could get kofi in this film because he wasn't gonna miss a cage match well, I noticed that Kofi wasn't in the ring like, afterwards, right? Like He was the only one, I think, involved in this whole scene that wasn't in the ring. Like, Renee and Corey were in there when they took the big photo Co- of the contract. Look, Kofi doesn't care about winners and losers. He just wants to see the cage match. Once it's over, he's like, all right, I'm out. I got pancakes to cook. Genuine question. Has Kofi Kingston ever been in a cage match? Um, I do Must not know. I yeah, he's had to be right. I'll look this up, but okay, please do because he's I had to be in a cage match. It would be even better if he has never, been, <laughs> and that's why he loves them so much. Yeah. He's, just, he's just in awe of the cage. Like he, he can't believe guys actually do these matches, let alone little kids that admire him. You know. What did you make of Renee Young wanting to see murder? I thought Renee Young was great. I loved when she like took a shot at Corey Graves announcing. 
I assume that was them two having fun because it was always the other way around on TV, but I may be giving this way too much credit. But that was my take on it. You're probably giving this way too much yeah, credit, but yeah, yeah. it's it's possible that this is what happened. Um, yeah, I, I thought Renee was very good when she was like, we're going to see a murder here. Have you seen how small this kid is? He's going to get killed. And Graves is basically trying to smooth things over and be like, no, no one's going to get killed and stuff. It, Renee just doesn't care. Like, maybe she's looking for an out, and that's why she's just going on television and saying these things. She's like, whatever, Moxley's got the money from AEW. I can go there if something happens here. I'll just say we're going to murder somebody. That's an interesting thought. What is AEW doing in this universe? Like, are they doing shoot fights as well? Are they doing sort of round-robin tournaments with people that are not wrestlers? I don't know. It should be fascinating to find. I did want to ask you, did you... Has any big man ever done this actual Scared of Heights gimmick to this degree? Like, Drew Gulak did it amazingly well in 205, where he wasn't scared. He was just, like, aware of the danger of the top rope. And any time he'd go up there, his legs would, like, shake and stuff. Has any big man pulled this off? Because if not, I think we now know what Babaton... This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. He's going to eventually be doing on NXT TV. <laughs> you know what's really bad now that I've looked this up, this answer? What's really bad about you asking, has Kofi ever had a cage match? Oh, Dolph, Dolph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they had a really cool finish right after a four five minute match. Yeah, that's bad. That is bad. I'm going to lie. That was, that was very bad on that part. Is there any others? Uh, he wrestled the big show in 2012. That was his last cage match before the Dolph cage match. And then he had a couple of, uh, and that was it. That was the only two. Should we talk about Dolph Ziggler being, um, like, suddenly becoming the hero of wrestling Twitter after 10 years of them just acting like he's the worst wrestler on earth. Can we talk about that quickly, Jeremy? Uh, Have sure. you seen any of this? Have you followed this story? Yeah. So Incredible he, stuff, right? He, PR he, spin here. He wore a Hawkins and Ryder shirt on SmackDown, and then he's apparently buying a bunch of pro wrestling t-shirts to to support all these guys Dolph Ziggler I don't remember if you said it on the show or off the show I'm pretty sure it was off um but you were like if Dolph Ziggler was in the 90s we think of this guy as like an all-time great like a Mr. Perfect type of just how good he was but because he's wrestling today and he's on television every week and he's been around forever we're just like it's Dolph Ziggler again yeah he's a genuinely a guy that suffered greatly from because there was a time, people forget this now, and we're going to do a little history lesson here, Jeremy. We've discussed the main event, and please do bring me back to that film, and I want to talk about the name still. I still want to talk about the name because it's very interesting to me. But Dolph Ziggler is a guy who, like, before they had 101 workhorses, he basically was the workhorse of the company, right? Like, he was the in-ring guy at one time. I know it's crazy to think this now because they have so many guys that do that with NXT and stuff. But, like, he just kind of stood still. And they never went one way or the other with him. They sometimes would tease it and then pull him back. And eventually he ended up in a place where he was like the hundredth least interesting guy on the show through no fault of his own. And I just think people totally misread Dolph as a talent. So I'm glad for him that, you know, he's just being a good guy and everyone's like, oh, maybe Dolph's good. Now me and you, we can express ourselves a little bit more freely, right? We can talk about this openly because I think you're right. I think I spoke about it off air last week. Yeah, you mentioned, like, if he was just wrestling maybe a couple of squash matches, but just had these big matches against, like, Michaels and Brett and Perfect and Savage. Early 90s is essentially when we're talking. Yeah. Um, like, we would just remember Dolph as on the level of those guys because his character is kind of all over the place. Like, the, the showing off, like, stuff is not really fleshed out. No. But I think back then it would have been much better and his in-ring work has always been good. It's just nowadays, and, and we looked this up too, like Austin in 98 did like 30 televised and pay-per-view matches. And Seth Rollins last year did like 56 television and pay-per-view <laughs> matches. Like literally wrestling every single week and then some. And it's like, it's the same thing with Dolph Ziggler. He was wrestling and still is 
every single week to the point that you're just like, I don't care about this guy yeah. anymore. Yeah, and he lost an awful lot. So yeah. Like, I mean, and I mean, they took the whole, oh, he can lose and stay over and just run into the ground. They tested how far they could go with that and they've got the, the answer now. But yeah, I'm with you. I think he's, he is a guy that suffers from that thing of like, in ring, I think he's a much better baby face, but his character as a baby face has never ever been able to find any kind of like, like lane to stay in. Does that make sense? Like, when I think of his best stuff, I guess it's, kind of the Miz program where he put his career on the line. That yeah. was wonderful stuff. The, the Survivor series where he was told Survivor. But they as a character, as a that. baby face. Yeah, oh yeah, super far, <laughs> right? Fired him on screen and then never did anything again. Great stuff. But I just think as a baby face, they never know what to do with him as a character. And then as a heel, he just bumps so great that he never like, he just got beat up a bunch, right? And now he is where he is, obviously. It's credit to him he's still on TV. This be fair about this. But I'm glad we did this little segment about that. But now I'm going to go back because he's wrestled a lot on the main event. Uh, this was the main event, not main event. Correct, Jeremy? I'm right in saying that. Yes. I think this is a totally unnecessary final shot at the struggling B slash C slash D slash E program that now is the main event. I want you to know, Jeremy, that in the UK, we respect main event. Okay, that thing is pretty reasonably. I've watched many episodes with Alicia Fox and people like that, and I've had great fun with that show. There was no need for them to leave this kind of parting shot, a show that has served them well, in my view. Uh, I I did not see it as a shot at main event. You, you totally got me on that one. I just figured they named it this because why wouldn't they name it this? I don't have a great explanation of why they probably named it the main event other than, hey, it's the main event. Like, it's a wrestling term. Let's put it out there. So the actual main event, I believe... The only time they've had an event called that was Andre and Hogan, I think. Right? Like, you know, the yeah, famous... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was called the main event, right? Yes. Even more disrespectful in that case. That, like, yeah. That's, that's really kind of... To me, now you're starting to go on dangerous territory. I've got to say. I mean, they had Saturday night's main event. Do, do you yep. think they just, like, they realized they had the trademark for it? And they were like, eh, let's put this trademark to use. Like, it's got... Uh, 40 years of history because the the hogan thing was god so long ago um you know it's just got like 40 years of history saturday night's main event all that stuff we got the the show main event maybe this was their way instead of looking at it as a shot maybe this is their way to direct traffic to main event because people are going to be searching main event now and they're going to come along to the wwe show okay now i'm starting to come around <laughs> I, it also, I mean obviously i'm doing a bit here but i was legit left kind of like Main event was actually an interesting name for this, right? Because I guess the main event in this film is like the cage match. Yes. Sure. I mean, it was a big event. I was wondering at one point if that was airing locally. That's what I was genuinely... I thought we'd gone back to the territories because he was like reaching out to one region, was he yeah. not? Miz? That was interesting. That was... It was... I'd never even heard of this place either. No, I, I didn't know. I didn't want to come across like an ignorant Brit. I just had no idea what they were talking about in any way. It was like the Largo Loop in Florida. Like, it's just places... Yeah, and they're doing this talent show, like this local thing for a WWE contract, like, in this town. Wouldn't you go to California or New York or something and announce this, like, everywhere? It just seems to be, as you said, like a local commercial. Now I'm thinking about this. This really is a different universe than the one we're currently <laughs> living in, right? Because... I mean, we know how it is. Like, guys get signed for a range of reasons right now. Maybe not right now, but in the last five years. This is, must be a different time altogether because, I mean, poor Smooth Operator, with his singing gimmick and his athleticism, he was just waiting for a talent contest to get his foot in the door. Like, were they not signing anyone through free agency, Jeremy? That's what I want to know. Who was the scouts at this time? Do you think so? Because, as I've said, I think this universe is years down the line. Do you think that... NXT essentially, you know, Triple H wants to do, they do NXT UK, they, he wants to do NXT Japan. Do you think he's essentially localized NXT? So we've got NXT Alabama, and we've got NXT North Dakota, and they run these competitions in all of these states to sign new talent to fill out their, their state's NXT. I mean... Their idea, their actual idea is worse than the ones you just picked. So, <laughs> sure, I'm all in on that. That works for me. 
Um, perhaps they can like you know uncover some actual like raw talent rather than just signing everyone that's on a streaming service. But that's another argument for another day, right, Jeremy? <laughs> as me and you both know. Um, yeah, that is an interesting thought. But then that kind of goes to so is NXT the A show? Because you are right that we can't. I want to know what Miz has done in NXT or if his first ever NXT match took place in that young child's dream. That's what I actually would like to know. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we're ever going to no. get an answer for that. No. Oh, that's a shame. I mean, I I just thought it was hilarious. That's, that's, that's really my take, just seeing Otis and Keith Lee playing more gimmicky gimmicks. Um, Mia Yim was in this. Yes. Right? I don't... She went for... Right, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Did she have a name? Like, no, I don't no. recall her actually having. No, I think if you, I mean, look, I mean, I'm going to rewatch this at some point, Jeremy. I'll get back to you, but <laughs> I think if you freeze frame it when they were showing the bracket, you'd be able to figure it out if that helps you any. But I don't think they said her name. But she went far. She made it to like the semifinals, I think. Um, yeah, because she she faced Samson in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she she did well for herself and. But she didn't have a name, just mask or not even mask, just invisible medium. <laughs> That's interesting. That that means that they're like pro intergender wrestling in this universe too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean I just one thing I will say for this universe is it's great to see the cage match treat with some importance and prestige. <laughs> you know, too often that has been just a TV main event, you know, a, a Dolph Ziggler, Kofi Kingston blow off that may have not even been the blow off. Here it had real importance, right? We're talking about lives here, Jeremy. We're talking about a kid trying to win a contract that then he's going to give up to his friend that he's already beat. And we're talking about Samson, who's scared of heights. Um, who was Samson's manager? I'm not a film guy. I don't know if this is a famous fellow, but he was all in. Maybe he should get a contract after all. He is. Uh, it's Ken Marino, I believe is his name. He's in a bunch of stuff. Um, he was in Eastbound and Down with... Uh... Okay with Danny McBride, uh, but he, he, de- he plays like this kind of role a lot, just kind of like a smarmy sort of selfish kind of guy. Um, he was a dick as well because he knew that this was a kid underneath the mask. And he's like, I still got to move forward with this match. Like that, that was kind of, uh, unnecessary. Yeah. That role that when he found out that Leo was a kid, I thought was, so what happens is, let me explain, let me set the table a little bit. So he's walking, I think, out of the building, and he's very concerned about Leo, this masked figure, or the kid chaos, I guess he knows him as. Yeah. And he sees Leo talking to his school friends and stuff without the mask on. He's like, it's a kid. So I'm sitting there trying to piece this thing together, and I'm like, okay, he's going to go to, like, the office and be like, he is a child, guys. Like, what are, we, what are we doing here? What he actually does is, I need to take the mask away from this kid. And then let my Samson kill him. That's what he actually comes to conclude. Yeah. Because then what they do is they steal the mask, right? They switch it with another mask. Yes. That was, I mean, strategy-wise, that was a little bit flawed because it's established in the film from minute one that the mask has, like, a distinct smell. So I'm not sure if he just didn't realize this, Leo, when he put this new mask on. <laughs> but there he was. Maybe it was explained. I'm honest. He had a new ring gear, right, for the final. That I happened. think, yeah, I think it's because... Otis's stink face or stink face's fart ruined his sense of smell. And I think that's why he could not smell the mask that was the fake one. Dude, I've got to say, the stink face thing was like, <laughs> that was my cliff. Like, I was trotting along and I was doing okay. It is what it is. It's not for you, Joe. Enjoy it. Calm down. And then when the stink face bit, I was just like, oh, I don't even know where to go with this now. Like, what an incredible just direction to take and it meant nothing in the film either that's the thing that's amazing to me about it it was just a weird quirk of otis's character that meant nothing in the overall film amazing stuff really but i hope someone i'm sure some kid enjoyed it but for me it was like okay i actually am insane for watching this film (laughs) i've been told many times that farts are funny um i think once you kind of reach our age they don't have quite the same appeal uh, maybe they do, but not in something like this. Like it's not just that. It's like it was his. He it seemed to be something the audience had just accept as part of the show, and like they were showing us the crowd like grimacing and stuff. <laughs> and it wasn't just like a smell. We didn't make it. It wasn't a smell. It was like a force, right? Yeah. Like it was like a shield. It built right. around him, right? It's and a just smell because of the mask, he could sh- withstand it, right? That was the only thing. They showed the reverberations in like the air and everything 
in you know subtle and nuanced uh storytelling here so you could really get the picture of what's going on but yeah it yeah was it took me out of it as well that and the the mother running away that whole unnecessary bit i just had no time for it what did you make of so otis blew off his, his friends because he had to sign autographs for otis, everybody did you mean to do that right oh yeah. you said leo. otis blew off his friends i was like <laughs> missed that scene carry on leo blew off his friends because he had to yeah. to sign his uh autographs and he's like not leaving until everyone gets an autograph he was supposed to do this dance recital with his girlfriend slash non-girlfriend and then his other friend just steps up and he's he's apparently he knows all about dance and stuff what did you make of this storyline if anything absolutely nothing <laughs> like i you could see it coming right like the every film you know whether it's higher or the main event it needs some form of dip and everything was going great so what was his dip maybe and the angle was as you pointed out that the mask was kind of making him a dick so what happened was he convinced his girlfriend or just friend that was a girl to do a dance recital and he would do it with her right that was the only reason she agreed to do it she's a good dancer but she wasn't confident about it they learn this whole thing he doesn't make it and then his pal steps in i don't know what his pal's name was jeremy i'm sorry i, I can't <laughs> I go that far either. he as far as i know he had like a few quirky lines of dialogue there was nothing else really that i was supposed to know about this kid and he just goes up and aces the dance it's like the dip of the film was just the dance recital going great, but like they just thought a little bit less of him as a friend, and then they let him off totally. There was not even any kind of like struggle in this, right? Until obviously the mask switcheroo, which we just discussed. But yes, I got nothing from it. I guess it gave that character something, but it meant nothing because I knew nothing about the kid. <laughs> he, this kid was a dick too because they're at the they're at the lunch table, you know, making peace and everything. And Leo is apologizing, and the kid just is like constantly reminding him, "Yeah, I'm a good dancer." Like, all right, yes. dude, we get it. You don't have to keep repeating yourself. That's so. His did gimmick, you like, I guess. Did you like one character in the whole film? <laughs> Renee Young. I loved Renee yes. Young. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think you're harsh on Smooth Operator. I think you have to realize what this meant to his career. <laughs> Um, he couldn't do the favors for a, a masked man that was three foot tall. I'm sorry, he couldn't do that, but he ended up doing it anyway. So it is what it is. But I'm with you. I mean, who was the the third kid? Was the one who had like the line about I just don't know anything about my friends. <laughs> and I was like, I guess that's his whole character. I'm that with you. The, I don't like any. Kid... I don't like any of them, Jeremy. I'm going to say I don't. I don't like any of them. The third friend was the friend who um, made the had the shot at Kevin Dunn. So. That was him. true. Uh, the girlfriend, she was, she didn't do anything that was dickish. I don't true. Think. No, she deserved better actually. Yeah. Because I mean, she was very nice to just be like, okay, I'll let you off because your friend was a good dancer, so it didn't mean anything that you was a dick. Right. I'm with you. Yeah. So her and Renee Young kind of led the charge. Here maybe. Maybe. Goes. Maybe this is a women's empowerment film, and we just we're just now figuring this out. I don't think you need to say maybe when you see Miriam going to the semi-final of the shoot tournament. I think it was very much that. I think what happened was perhaps maybe the cutting room floor that we talk about, Jeremy, perhaps there was some stuff left out of Mia's kind of ascension, right? And that would have maybe tied it together more. But I'm with you. I think that's what this was now that I really... Now that we've sat back and looked at it as a piece of an actual art, right? Like an actual completed piece of art, I think it had a point to be made here. And maybe we're the only guys that will get that point, but we still got it, right? And that's what matters at the end of the day. This is the real subtle and nuanced storytelling that WWE, that they're known for. I mean, yes. you've really got to talk about it, break it down, explore it from all angles to really get more. it. Oh, I have okay. another part of this, of this angle. So we spoke about the dad. Maybe the point of the dad angle was if your husband is being a great big loser, leave him. Maybe that was the thing that we missed in that, Jeremy. I don't know. Maybe that was the point of that whole thing, because we certainly didn't get anything out of it from the dad's <laughs> point of view. So maybe it was just showing, hey, look, you don't have to stick around when the guy's just playing with his car all day and kind of telling his kid about wrestling tactics. Maybe that was the point. I'm not sure. It's... It sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I can't go further with this. <laughs> I can't believe this was 47 minutes of, of breaking down this film that combined we had about 10 notations for, and I think two of them were the same. 
Yeah, and I, look, I understand. There's someone's inevitably going to reach out to us and be like, guys, you can't opt to review stuff like this and expect it to be anything better than what this was. <laughs> and to that person, I want to just say, you are correct. You are absolutely right. But I do think there is something to be said. Me and you are pretty silly guys. We wanted to enjoy this, right? I think that's fair to say. We wanted to kind of... We wanted to get something out of it. I mean, there was elements of it that popped me. I, I did like, I should mention, you kind of brought it up, but him, like, stopping actual crime and, like, facing a man who had a gun, I believe, right? Like, wow. That was pretty That was pretty courageous. That was outlandish for what this film was for the rest of the time. Um, Keith Lee was good, right, I guess? Maybe, I don't know. He, he was singing. He was having fun. So I got enjoyment out of that. But, yes, for the most part, I, this actually fell short of my very, very low expectations, which seems like an indictment, I think. Keith Lee better hopes Vince McMahon never oh, watches yeah. this film because he's just going to be a singer the rest of his career. If Otis starts farting during this Mandy storyline, we're all in trouble. I mean, for me, that would be like the ultimate, just, just when it appears this angle has some use and he's actually getting people over... That would be the ultimate turn, right? That would be like, <laughs> of course, that's where things would go after an actual good promo segment this this caused. Yeah, I actually expect it at this point, to be honest. Someone's going to see it and pitch it, and it, away we go. That's inevitable. I like your, your gimmick that Babatunde can just be afraid of heights. We need a good big man that's just, like, afraid of heights and it tries to ground his opponent and doesn't want to do any of that flippy stuff. I feel like that's got to have been a thing because Andre was scared of the snake which was awesome stuff, right? right? Like, he's absolute terror. <laughs> Yokozuna, I believe, was just scared of The Undertaker, which I'm not sure was a gimmick. I think everyone was scared of The Undertaker, but it still ruled. Um, someone's probably done it. We're probably being very silly here and missing one, but I agree it was awesome, and, and he was really going for it with the cell, right? Like, it was, it was not just a, a tremble. He was terrified, bless him. Uh, and the manager was, like, trying to hide the fact that he was... I must say, you know the, like, draft combine where they did, like, just general... They wanted to see how good of athletes they were and stuff. Yeah. And, like, Kid Chaos leapt from one corner of the ring to the other. Like, I feel like he should have got a contract then and there, right? Like, I don't think he should be like, okay, now enter the 32-man bracket. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how it is. Eh? Quality, you got to love it. Everyone gets an equal opportunity in WWF. You've got you've to gotta earn your shot. You can't just, all right, because you can jump from one ring post to the next across, not even uh, across the ring. He went full way uh caddy corner with the ring uh it doesn't matter you gotta you gotta beat guys joe it's like that would have been like handing the brawl for all to dr death just because well this is the guy we actually want to push but you know we got to make him earn it true i mean i did want to ask so we mentioned earlier we spoke a lot about who this film is for am i misreading like the fame of pro wrestlers i know that we said about how many wrestling references there are but like that whole Kofi Xavier Woods stuff, like that's just totally lost on all people, right? Like they're not actually famous to that degree, right? We are assuming this is just wrestling fans watching this film. I, I have to guess because I was wondering if it was a Brit thing, and I was like, maybe in America people are like, oh yeah, of course, the New Day. <laughs> I, I don't know. Am I right in saying that this is very niche using all them wrestling references? Look, I told you this film is just for children who are wrestling fans so a quarter yeah, there's of no crossover people. yeah right no, no, no. But there's no one it's like of course like, i don't watch a lot of wrestling but i remember the usos feud with the new day come on like it wasn't that kind of situation i was missing here like we are right in saying this is very much know what you're getting into here if you're watching this and you have kids firstly you should not watch a distraction if you have children you have better things to <laughs> do okay click give us the view and get off the thing but if you are Ensure they have at least studied at least a decade of the industry, because otherwise I think the whole thing will be lost on them. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't show this to to my little cousin and be like, what do you think of this? And expect them to know, oh yeah, Kofi Kingston, hear about him all the time in the news and, and things yes, like that. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's not going to happen. She's not going to have any idea who any of these people are. Yeah, I, that was kind of my my perception of it too. But I didn't want to leap in and say that. I'm glad you did it for me. Uh, but I guess it's cool that the, the New Day were like the, the heroes of this kid. Like that's, that's kind of cool, right? It could have been Triple H. I would have hated this film even more. <laughs> they could have been watching Triple H versus do Roman you, and I'd have been like, oh God, this is the end. Do you think Triple H has ever missed a cage match? Um... I think he's missed cage matches he was in. That's how much, that's how much he... I'm pretty sure I see Triple H have a cage match and, like, 
the level of effort that man could produce in the cage, I think he missed that match, even though he was in the ring physically <laughs> performing a cage match. So, yes, he's missed many, many cages, including the one that Kofi had with Dolph. Triple H missed that. Okay, I'm going to tell you that much now. He missed it. Uh, anything else on this fantastic piece of art that everybody can go watch now on Netflix? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> not, not, not another word will come out of my mouth about this. Um, I don't resent the fact that we watched it. I do regret it somewhat. I think this will be a good kind of marker, though, because while it's not, like, offensively bad, I think we'll enjoy it every wrestling film slash program we watch after this. I think more then we enjoyed this because there's just nothing here, right? There's no meat on this bone. How we spoke about it for as long as we did, I have no clue. But that is my my closing statement, Jeremy. All right. I enjoyed that we, we watched it just because we got to do this podcast and I, I need something like this in my life right now because <laughs> the actual wrestling is, it is what it is right now. Yeah. So watching a nonsensical film that we can come up with fun theories about that's that's the entertainment for me joe yeah and we spoke about Dolph ziggler for like four minutes yeah. so if you're here for hard hitting wrestling analysis <laughs> you got something right you got the opening match i guess in there somewhere so yeah we covered a lot of ground i don't know if any of it was actual like film uh, review but we tried our best right we had fun with this but we will, I think, need to up the ante. I think we're going to go a little bit more hardcore with the next film, Jeremy. I think we're going to go with a bit edgier. You know how much I love edge, right? Um, I think we're going to go kind of an action thriller from the illustrious WWF studios. Are you just going to make the announcement right now? No, I have no announcement. I'm just saying, okay. like, that's, I'm just saying something in that vein. Right. I assume there's like a hundred films that fit the description I just give. So, <laughs> any of them, I'm in, but not one more of these, please. I think. I think this podcast and watching this film and reviewing it was necessary because now people who haven't watched it, people who are wrestling fans like us and were probably like, I'm not watching this, they can watch it with a new set of eyes and really understand what this film is all about. And I think that's a service we've provided to everybody. Good point. And with that in mind, um, I'm still off like accepting offers of money in my DM. <laughs> so if you would like this kind of analysis of any other film, any other piece of television, music, any kind of art, okay, I will accept offers. So just I wanted to make it clear because you are right. We are doing something here for the community of professional wrestling fans, right? So, yeah, I'm glad you kind of um, tied things up in a bow there for us, Jeremy, because it is clear. We all make this clear. We're not doing this for us, are we, Jeremy? Under any, we're doing this for you, the people. That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to do a service, and boy, did we do that much today. Smiles on faces and minds that are more open. That's our tagline. We might only get sued for half of that. I mean, they've ripped off everything we've done, so we owe them one. Right? We owe them one. Woj is ripping us off. Everyone's taking our stuff. Give us some now. We're going to take now. This Next week's episode is called The Main Event. I'm announcing it now. <laughs> it's The Main Event from now on, Jeremy. It's a distraction, but it's called The Main Event. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday with our usual wrestling talk on oh, whatever's oh. going on. Joe is very excited for this. Oh, no, we've got to talk about the wrestling shows. That means I have to watch the wrestling shows, right? That's not good. Okay. Fine, I'm in. I'll be there. I'll be there, I promise. You didn't enjoy anything from Raw last night? Um, No, I didn't. No. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> the worst thing is, my brain legitimately was like, Raw last night, did I enjoy it? Anyway, yeah, that's, that's, that's just the conversation for, when, for Thursday, right? Thursday. <laughs> we'll talk about the wrestling stuff on Thursday. This weekend... Um, as I mentioned last week, we were going to do a WWE kind of my league type thing that we, we scrapped because it just didn't seem right after everything that happened last week. We are going to do the TWE series, the, uh, the demo for TEW 2020 comes out this Thursday, I believe the 23rd, and then the full release is the 30th. So the gimmick we're going to run, instead of doing the Monday Night Wars, we're not going to do that. We're going to do nowadays wrestling with Raw and SmackDown. But each of us will be able to pick five wrestlers uh, from the past to drop into today's world. So that's what we're going to be doing um, once the full game gets released and we can get it edited. But we're going to have essentially a little preview type deal this weekend um, and next weekend to where we announce our picks, kind of just talk about the universe. And it'll 
be sort of like our, our my league thing. We'll probably drop sort of what we were doing with our my league. We'll uh, discuss that as well. So it's essentially just a TEW series preview for the next couple of weeks until we can actually dive into the game. And we're bringing back the the TEW series that uh, people seem to enjoy because I was booking the goon as the world champion. Well, that was my question, Jeremy. Is the goon one of the illustrious five picks? That's the big question. <sighs> You gotta find out on the preview series, Joe. I'm not gonna give that's that right away answer. right now. That's the right answer, and that's why we're good at radio, Jeremy. Because <laughs> we leave them wanting more. Joe, where can the people find you? Um, they shouldn't. They just find me at, <laughs> on Twitter, Joe Holbert Five. Um, I've started reading the Bret Hart book. I may tweet about that. That's as much interesting as you'll get from me. All right, the Bret Hart book. I haven't read it in a while, but it's it's very good. It's a big fella. Yeah. It's a big fella. It's a little bit daunting. I'm not gonna lie. But as a broadcast journalist, Jeremy, I feel I, you know, I owe it to the industry, right? I should, I should read the book. There you go. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Lambert eighty eight Fightful dot com wrestling MMA boxing FightfulSelect dot com. Sign up so I can afford a haircut. Um, and Joe can afford a haircut as well, but he's less uh, anxious to get one than me. Um, sign up to Fightful Select news, extra audio, and we will talk to everybody on Thursday. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.